We're really pleased this morning to have with us John Sedarius and his wife, Colleen. John is a member of the Winnipeg Police Service, and he's also a part-time chaplain. Come on up, John. And uh, we've arranged with John. He's kind of standing in for Chief Devon Clunas, who is... No disrespect to you, John, but everyone wants Chief Clunas, and the poor man is exhausted and run off his feet. And so he's very wisely designated uh, some of his part-time chaplains to come and share and encourage local congregations with how they can wisely and persistently and passionately pray for the Winnipeg Police Service. This is of vital importance. If you don't do anything else this week, get in on this. Don't worry about the Jets. (laughs) I will call Gary and get the game shortened to 40 minutes and we'll be fine. All right? Just one call. But this is really something important to to focus on because it literally is a life and death issue uh, for many of us. And I really encourage you to to get behind um, John and the rest of the Winnipeg Police Service When John is finished uh, giving his talk, um, Jim is going to come and, with the elders, um, pray for John and Colleen in their ministry with the WPS. But, John, there you go. Good morning, Elam Chapel. Come on, there's more energy than that. (laughs) I'm honored and excited to be here today. Um, for two reasons. I got to already start to experience uh, some of the love of this church. I've been a 26-year member, and uh, that's very vital uh, and crucial for each of the members to experience if they get a chance. Second, obviously, as one of the chaplains, um, it's crucial to know and uh, understand that the churches are behind us in prayer. Uh, Your commitment to be intercessors for the police members that put their lives on the line each and every day. Your church has been a rock of the community of Winnipeg for over 100 years already. And just by its very name, Elam, an oasis of rest, refreshment, the term standing for God's bountiful provision. So thank you. Your church is committed to one week of intense, dedicated prayer as part of the 365 Prayer Watch for the Winnipeg Police Service. And I'm often asked the questions, what can we specifically ask for or pray for? So I can tell you that the list goes on. The reality is, we're just like any one of you. So I want to ask you to consider for a moment who police officers actually are. They're people just like you. They're your neighbors, friends, and for some, family. Apart from their job, they experience everything you do, good and bad. They are equally susceptible to all emotions. Illness, marital problems, any kind of loss. In God's eyes, they have the same value as each and every one of you. What the difference is, is the job that we've asked them to do. Early in the creation of policing, uh, Sir Robert Peel wrote, The police at all times should maintain a relationship with the public that gives reality to historic tradition, that the police are the public, and the public are the police. The police are only members of the public who are paid to give full-time duties which are incumbent on every citizen in the intent of community welfare. So in other words, we're in this together. 
And second, I'd like you to consider where the authority is. In Romans 13, 7, it's clear that there is no authority except from God and that God establishes government for his purpose. So let's think about that. Being a law enforcement officer means that you're working for God. So how very fitting that we are able to come to that very same God that gave them the authority to do the work they do in prayer and supplication to support them in their duties. Today you can see I'm wearing the uniform of a general patrol officer, and that's what most of us think about when we think about police. And I'm going to break down the uniform into certain parts, and in between each segment I'm going to ask that we spend 20 minutes of meditative prayer just on that topic, just to sort of give you a guide along as we go. So I'm going to walk through each one of those. First is an officer's presence. The police officer, this is one of the big things that they're teaching us at the academy is the uniform does matter. When we walk in, did I make some people nervous when you saw me here today? Did you feel nervous when the cruiser car was driving behind you? If you said yes, we'll talk later. But the reality is that can also be abused, right? So we need to consider what we think about this and how we can support the officers in using their presence in a very positive manner. There are two things to consider. There are a variety of values and beliefs that define each officer's morals and ethics, which at times may conflict with what we're asking them to do. And second, there's always the ever-present desire to abuse their authority. So let's take 20, 20 seconds or so and just pray that their conduct might be above reproach. I'll just ask you to take 20 seconds and then I'll close. Heavenly Father, we gather today and we're, we pray for wisdom for officers to conduct themselves in a way that reflects your sovereign authority and the Winnipeg Service's core's values, such as integrity, respect, citizen focus, accountability, and provide them the courage in their duties and in their lives. Amen. Now, second is the handcuffs. Everybody knows the handcuffs? Sorry, I keep walking away from the mic. Second is the handcuffs and what that represents. One of the things we're asking officers to do and can be very embarrassing and uncomfortable for people is to remove the, their freedom. Our charter, of freedoms and, uh, our charter of rights and freedoms are some of the most highly contested arguments in court. So I need to reassure you that the decision for an officer to place someone in handcuffs is not taken lightly. Each and every step along the way, even into court, this is a very... Uh, contested item, the, the necessity to remove somebody's freedom, just even stopping somebody and talking to them has to be thought out carefully. So I'm asking that you pray for their wisdom in regards to how to use the removing of someone's freedoms effectively. Heavenly Father, we pray for wisdom for the officers to know when to use the authority of arrest and or detention appropriately and professionally. 
we know this can be one of the most hotly contested processes contested in court, forcing officers to justify their decisions and actions. Amen. Third are the tools that we all see us wearing. You ever try running in this stuff? It's real fun. You feel like a junk truck. Everything starts shaking around. Um, but each of them are necessary in their own right. Officers are highly trained in hand-to-hand -hand skills, and that, of course, is the lowest level of force that we would want to use, even taking hold of someone. The second is what I'd like to call the attention getters, the pepper spray, the taser, the baton. If I haven't got your attention after using one of those, we're in trouble. They're also the, and of course, then we elevate to lethal force, which is the handguns that we have each of the officers carry. This is an area of great testing, anxiety, and scrutiny for each officer. Just to think that after the deployment of any of those, you have to face the public opinion poll, employer review, court of law, self-doubt, peer review, and I'm sure five more times when you're going to be asked why. Each of the officers is trained for the worst case, but hope that it never escalates to that point. So let's pray for wisdom on when to use those tools appropriately. Heavenly Father, we pray for wisdom when an officer should use any one of these tools in their work. Wisdom on which one to use. Wisdom on how to diffuse the situation. And if force is required, wisdom on what tool is best and how to implement it. Always remembering that the officer only has a split second to decide and rely on training. We pray for protection over them as this usually will be during an altercation where their life or the life of others is in danger. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would intercede to make the use of these tools unnecessary. Amen. Now, fourth is the body armor. You can't really see mine. I wear mine under my shirt. That's an option they give us. Others, you'll see them walking on the street. You can see them over top. It's what we call our bulletproof vest. It does stop most ammunition, so that's a shielding protection over the officers. But the officer can still get a, or suffer from a great deal of trauma both physically, emotionally, and mentally from this type of encounter. So let's consider praying for the physical protection of the officers, protect them from injury, and also protect them from the stress that it has on them and to guard them from harm. Almighty God, watch over the police officers every day. Protect them from harm and the performance of their duties to stop crime. We pray that you help keep the, our streets safe and our homes safe day and night. We recommend them to your loving care because their duty can be dangerous. Give them strength and courage. Protect these brave officers. Grant them your almighty protection. Unite them safely with their families after this duty has ended. Amen. And now, fifth, I'd like to talk about the unseen. This is the part of wearing the uniform that most 
people don't get to see. The social, emotional, mental, spiritual dimensions of an officer's wellness. Usually, when we do see it, it's come out in negative forms, such as anger, substance abuse, and distancing themselves, or even uh, post-traumatic stress. And a, a soft spot for me as a chaplain, and something I really encourage the churches to focus on, is praying for the families. And consider the spouses, the officers, children, the family, friends, and even their church family. This is their support group, their value system, their accountability partners. This is where the officers are grounded on how they regenerate, who they value, who they love. This group can often and do experience some of the fallout and trauma officers experience. Now, if you're ever curious what that might look like, you could always ask my wife. She's probably got some stories that she could tell. But the truth is, we're human. We bring home stress like all of us do. And some of it becomes very real. When officers are attending homes and they're living an experience with someone, either they're grieving a loss or serious injury, officers are taking some of that in and can't help but let some of that bleed into their homes. So I really beg you to please take the time and consider praying for the families. A healthy family is very supportive of an officer, which means we have a healthy officer working on the streets. So we could just take 20 seconds to pray on that. Heavenly Father, we pray for the officers to have the supports they need, socially, emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually. Help them with their physical wellness in their lives to be successful, because I am convinced, both through my own experience and statistically, they do not do well without it. Pray for protection and wisdom for the families and those closest to the officers, that they would have the knowledge and willingness on how to support the officers effectively. I pray for the officers' family members to protect them from any harm because of their loved one's occupation and the impact it has on their lives. Pray especially for the families who have lost loved ones through tragic circumstances while in the execution of their duties. Comfort them and let them experience your solace. Heavenly Father, it is a great blessing to have families like Elam Chapel who understand the importance of coming to you in prayer and who are willing and committed to praying for their city. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Congregation of Elam Chapel, I thank you for your dedication and promise to be intentional, prayerful intercessors over those who serve the city each and every day. Thank you. And first, I just want to say, too, it is an honor and a privilege uh, for myself and this whole church to pray for you guys. So I just wanted to say that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, first and foremost, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy on us and this great city of Winnipeg. Lord, we thank you today and lift up our brother in Christ, John, and his wife, Colleen. 
We ask that you bless John and his family and his work for this city, Winnipeg, as he deals with tough day-to-day circumstances and challenges. Mm-hmm. Also, Lord, we pray as John spiritually connects with people, he is able to be a witness for the kingdom. Lord, give John the strength every day to show the passion of Christ and the compassion to meet the many needs of his fellow officers and others that you put in his path. At this time, Lord, we also want to lift up every man and woman involved in law enforcement, whether they be at a desk or undercover in the field or doing regular daily duties. Their job at times can be thankless and often dangerous or life-threatening. So, Lord, as they serve and protect us, we ask and pray that you walk with and protect each and every one of them and their families, shielding them from harm and negative influence. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, John and Colleen, for honoring us with your presence this morning. Uh, we'll continue to pray for you. And I can, uh, I can attest to just the influence of talking to John over the phone on, on Friday as we're making final arrangements for today. Um, my phone rang as I was pulling out of the parking lot. And I realized it was John. I felt guilty. I immediately pulled over and shut off my vehicle and didn't break the law as I was talking to John. But uh, thank you very much. It, it just gives us, um, it just grounds us in reality in saying, here's two real people that we can uh, pray for. And especially, thank you, Colleen, for coming today to remind us to pray for families of peace officers. It's, it's so important. Well, we've been talking about uh, a new community and what that will look like. A transformed community. Kim mentioned that this is Easter 3. Is that what it's called in the lectionary? Okay. The implications. We're still, man, we could feast off Easter for the whole year, right? Think about the implications of... uh, the resurrection and how that is such a game changer for human history and how that changes people because it gives us hope and it gives us the power to change. Not just crossing our fingers, gee, I hope things work out better. Gee, I hope there's a better result Monday night at the MTS Center. Gee, I hope, you know, things work. Hope is different than wishing. Hope is a confident assurance that God is in charge, that He is going to come through and that He is and always will be God. He will show up. So just for a few minutes, uh, I want to talk about how we see this hope translated into our lives. First of all, I want to leave you with this point. If you take away nothing today from what I talk about, I listen to every word that John says, but if you remember anything that Rick says, remember this. God wants us to pray big. God wants us to pray big. Let me give you an example from the scriptures, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that means this is a priority. Put this on the top of the agenda. First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. Big enough for you? First of all, at the top of the list, pray for everyone. 
petitions. That means, Lord, here, here's, here's a, a list of things that we're asking you to do. And prayers. And then intercession. Interceding directly for people. Saying, Lord, you know, let's call him Bob. Lord, Bob needs you. You need to break into Bob's life and, and reveal yourself and change him and give him a hunger for you. You can intercede for someone, right? Go to bat for them. And then give thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for what you are going to do in Bob's life. All right? So at the top of the list, when we pray big, prayer. Thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Everyone who's a first responder, everyone who works in local government, provincial government, federal government. Yes, God bless him, and I say not that not sarcastically, our prime minister. Pray for him. Pray for uh, the United States. They're going through an election process as well. They're, the machinery is started up. Oh, boy. Lord, have mercy. That's often how I pray. But uh, when I think about politicians, but we cannot afford to be cynical. We need to pray. That's why Paul says, first of all, make it a priority to pray. Um, for all people and especially those in authority. Why? So we can live peaceful and quiet lives in what? All godliness and holiness. Now, Jack alluded to his trip to Ukraine recently where they are not experiencing peaceful and quiet lives. If we pray for those in authority, it's interesting to note historically in this context the authority that Paul the Apostle was talking about, the Roman authorities, it was basically a dictatorship. They were, they were oppressing all the, the nations they had conquered. But God was bringing something good out of that, even though people would long to be free. There was something called the Pax Romana imposed on the Roman Empire. Relative peace, really good communication system, Probably the safest things have been for a thousand years previous and a thousand years after. That facilitated the spread of the gospel because there was stability. And people could travel relatively safely and the gospel spread. In fact, the gospel even spread through the Roman emperor's palace. Once Paul got taken there and arrested, that's another interesting story. But God can use people in authority because, as John was saying, they ultimately work for God. They ultimately work for God, whether they realize that or not, in providing peace in Canada anyway, peace, order, and good government. That's what we, that's in our Constitution. And we pray for those folks in authority so we can lead peaceful and quiet lives. Not just so we can have a lovely life and trip through fields of wildflowers and not have any problems. Why? Why does God want us to pray big like this? Because God thinks big. God wants us to pray big because he thinks big. And this is what he thinks. He says, this is good. If we pray for all people, and especially those in authority, so we can live peaceful and quiet lives. Why? Because it's good. It pleases God our Savior. Read this together. Who wants all people to be saved? I'll give you another chance. It's back up. This is an interactive service. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved? What? Did you hear that? 
Does that strike you as a little whacked? A little bit ambitious? This is God's heart. God wants all people to be saved. That's his desire. That's his goal. Now, he will not violate human free choice, human free will, but that's God's heart for the planet. That's that's God's heart for Winnipeg, for Manitoba, for Canada, for the world. He wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, a personal knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. What? There's that word all again. You get the idea? You get God wants us to pray big. He wants us to pray for everybody and everybody in authority over us. Why? Because he wants all people to be saved. And Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all people, not just a select few. I've got word for you. Christianity is not, it's been, it's, it's been stereotyped as the white man's religion. It's not. Look around Elam Chapel. It's not the exclusive territory of any one ethnicity. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all people. And that's awesome news. That's awesome news. So we can't say, oh, sorry, you're not one of us. You can't come in. You don't fit. You don't fit our profile. I don't think you'd be welcome here. Jesus died for all of us, for all people. And God's desire... He wants all people to be saved. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 2 Samuel 14, 14. Check it out when you get home. 2 Sam 14, 14. Okay, easy to remember. Like water poured out on the ground, so we all must die. But God does not take away life. Instead, he designs ways so that an estranged person may be restored to him. We can't, prevent people from dying. It's just a fact of life. It's just, we all got to go sometime, right? But God does not take away life. That doesn't kill people. It's just a fact of human existence. Instead, he designed ways so that an estranged person, someone who's not in relationship with him, may be restored. God is always sovereignly working in our lives to draw people to himself. But he's chosen to work with us. Go figure. And that's why he wants us to pray big. He doesn't need us per se, but he's chosen to work through human beings. So one of the chief ways we we work with God is that we pray big. Because he thinks big. Because he loves big. That's God. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all people, not just a few. And God will show us our role in this adventure. You could be confident of that. Paul continues, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle, telling the truth and not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. If you remember anything about Paul, he was a good Jewish boy. Didn't have anything to do with Gentiles. God laid him on his back, literally, got his attention. He was totally transformed man. And then 
he spends the rest of his life traveling around the Mediterranean, starting churches, and especially talking to Gentile people about Jesus so they could be part of the family too. Why? Because God wants all people to be in his family. And Jesus died to be a ransom for all people. And that means little pockets of transformed community all over the Mediterranean and now all over the world. God wants to transform us. That's the business he's in. I want to tell you, uh, close and tell you about one of my heroes, William Carey. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He was a shoemaker in England, a cobbler. Jesus got a hold of his life, and William became a lay preacher. He just he was, didn't have any formal training, but he went around preaching on weekends and making shoes. God gave him a burden for other parts of the world where people didn't know Jesus. So, William studies. While he's making shoes on his bench beside him, he always had a book open. I mean, William was into online learning before the internet was ever invented. And he was learning. He taught himself Greek and Hebrew, and he learned about the uh, history and culture of these other lands as much as he could get. And he really became a burden for people in India. He felt God calling him there. And one day, he was at a pastor's meeting in England, and he said, I want you guys to pray for me because I think God is calling me to go over there. And one grumpy old pastor stands up and says, Young man, sit down. If God wants to save the heathen, he'll do it without your help. Ooh, what a word of edification from one of the Lord's senior saints. You know, history, fortunately, doesn't record the name of that man. He's passed namelessly into history. He's out of the way. We don't need any more grumpy old pastors telling people what they can't do in the name of Jesus. William didn't let that stop him, and he went to India. And it was a challenging life for the next 40 years, but God used him to translate the Bible into several local languages and just to get some traction to become there. And, and one of William's favorite mottos was expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. I may have gotten that backward. I think he meant attempt great things for God and then expect great things from God. At any rate, William Carey, an ordinary shoemaker, dared to pray big. And it was while he was praying big, making shoes in England, that God gave him this vision and desire to do something different out of the box with the rest of his life. He prayed big because God thinks big. And God used William as William prayed. He used William to be answer to his own prayers, which might happen if we start praying. It's only fair to warn you, if you start praying for Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Police Service, God might use you to answer those prayers. But it's worth the risk, all right? Because we want to see God move, right? We want to see God move in our lives, in the lives of our city, we are smack dab in the heart of Canada. So why can't God do something big with us? Right? Wouldn't that be tremendous? That would be so much like God. Because God loves to use the foolish and weak things of the world to demonstrate, ha ha, here's my power. 
It was there all along. And these people want to cooperate with me. And this is a total game changer. Ta-da. And to draw people to himself. God doesn't want to lose anyone. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. So as we pray this week for the Winnipeg Police Service and for Elam Chapel, keep that in mind. God wants us to pray big. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you again for John and Colleen who've come today to share this ministry with us. Lord, I pray for Chief Clunas. There's a lot of pressure in him. I pray that you bless his marriage, bless his family, help him to be healthy spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, every way possibly, physically, Lord. We pray your protection on him. We ask that you pray that we pray that you would bless Mayor Bowman and his marriage and his family. There's been some press this week about whether to pray in city council or not, and that's oh brother. Lord, have mercy on Canada. We are so messed up. Will you please bless the mayor and and all the administration in the city and our premier and our prime minister, Father, and as many provinces and countries will be selecting leaders in the next year, give us wisdom. We thank you for democracy, which is sometimes a messed up system of government, but better than all the alternatives. So, We pray that you would help us to be good citizens and to build community here. It's all about letting people know that you want them in your family, that you want to be restored to them. Father, I pray that you give us wisdom to know how to conduct ourselves with each other. I pray that you would help Elam Chapel become a loving community that you intend it to be so we can bless the rest of this city. I know these are big requests, but you're a big God and you tell us to pray big, so we're just trying to be obedient. And now will you fill us with your grace and your power and hope in Jesus' name, amen.